again. So let me just remind you of kind of the whole goal of this series, the kind of main theme that we've kind of tied through this entire series, and it's simply this. The whole goal of this is we want to try to regret-proof your deathbed. And what that simply means is that when you come to the end of your life, that you don't look back on the relationships that you have, and you go, man, I wish I would have worked it out. I wish I would have dove through that. I, we, I wish that we would have fought through those issues and hung on a little bit longer. So that's ultimately been the goal of this series. But to kick off this conversation, um, there's actually a, um, a passage in Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3 in the message version that we want to kind of start this whole thing off. Babe, why don't you go ahead and actually read that? And that's okay. for those of you, it's Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3, and that's in the message. And this is what it says. Um, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Quick at mending fences. That's something that we're going to kind of tie through this entire conversation. But there's actually three things in this verse that we kind of, that kind of jump out to us, that we kind of want to review before we get into all the stuff that you came here for today. I know some of you see like sex and romance on the Facebook page, and you're like, I will miss church, but I'm coming to that one, right? <laughs> so, um, so we will get into that, but before we dive into this, just three things that we kind of want to pull out of this text. And uh, if you read the first line, the first verse in this, it says this, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. So here's what we kind of, we drew up to this conclusion, that laziness in relationships actually leads us somewhere. So laziness actually leads us somewhere, meaning if we keep ignoring the issues that we have in our marriage, specifically in the context of sex, um, if we don't deal with it, like those issues that we're ignoring actually become bigger issues. So why don't you talk about the kind of example or the analogy yeah, that we're kind giving? Of, kind of like a garden. So how many of you guys have ever done, please someone raise your hand, had <laughs> done a garden and it's not, you're, you realize you're not a gardener. Anyone? Okay. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> um, so I, I had this grand dream of like having blueberry bushes. I wanted to eat all organic and, you know, to be able to afford that, you pretty much have to grow it yourself. Well, I had this idea of doing raised beds. You don't have to pluck it as often. Anyway, so... And then it disaster. gets hot. Yeah. And then it gets hot outside. So then, I mean, I was pregnant at the time, and I'm like, I'm not going out there to water it. <laughs> I just got tired of it. Um, but how many of you guys realize it takes a lot of intentionality yeah. to do a garden? You have to go back and weed it. You have to water it every day. You have to like be mindful of if something's thriving or if not, if you need to add something to it um, to help the, the the plants grow. Well, my uh, the thing that I realize is that you. Our marriage is, is very similar to that. And um, if we aren't very mindful of tending to it, like this, this verse says, I love how it, I like the quick, quick at mending fences part, but I love the part right before that it says alert at noticing differences. Yeah. You have to be alert in a garden just as much as you have to be alert in your marriage of, of what's, what's happening. Is it growing? Is it flourishing? Is it not? What does it need? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that we were talking about when we were, when we were reading this message is that a lazy garden will actually produce fruit, but it actually produces rotten fruit, fruit that you're not going to want to eat. So I think, I think we get into this idea sometimes within marriage, especially in our sex life, when we look at it and we say, 
okay, I know that there's things that I want to change. So, so maybe you're looking at your partner and you're like saying, man, I, I know I really want to have this conversation with them, but I don't, I don't want to. At the same time, you know that you need to have it, but you're not having it for sake of the awkwardness or you're, you're scared that you're going to offend them or whatever it may be. And in you actually pulling back and kind of being lazy about it and just letting it go, what actually ends up happening is, is rather than you producing like good fruit, you end up producing this lazy, rotten fruit. So now your partner is like bitter at you. Or now your partner is going, do they even care about me? Or are they even thinking about me? Well, and, uh, I mean, when you back away from your garden, what happens? You go back and look at it after a week, and you're like, what, what happened? That's not yeah. my garden. Absolutely. It's all overgrown. And then, like you said, there is bitter fruit, but then there, are times, there comes a time where it stops producing. And, and it takes a lot more. You have to go back, retake everything out, and then replant seeds and redo yeah. everything so uh, there is hope, but we just don't want you to get to that point, you know? Absolutely. And I, and I think that if you notice a theme throughout this entire sermon series, we're constantly just trying to put stuff in front of you to have the conversations that you know that you're not having, but that you know that you need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that happens often, especially in the context of romance and in our sex lives. Like, we know that there's conversations that we need to have, um, but we just constantly avoid them, hoping that the issue will re- resolve itself. How many of you just like, kind of like, you know you need to have a conversation, but you're like, I'm just going to hold on to it and hope my partner realizes that? Anybody ever, that's like your ideology that you flow with sometimes. And it never works. It never works. And sometimes we're just not self-aware enough to notice that there's a problem. I mean, sometimes we're just like, hey, everything's great. It's all good. Absolutely. But to, to take, like that scripture says, to do, be alert to it, to actually like take time to take inventory. Absolutely. Most of us don't do that. We skip that. Absolutely. So if we continue, if you look at the, uh, the second part of that verse, it says, and mark that you do this with humility and discipline. And my wife just noted on it, like not in fits and starts. So you're not stopping and starting, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. So here's what we kind of concluded out, out of this uh, uh, passage is, one day of effort will not last with six days of lack. So, so how, how many of you ever in marriage, like, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'll be honest with you. Like, you, man, men, you have, like, one day, you're like, okay, today is the day. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to, like, get flowers. I'm going to make sure that I'm contacting her all day. I'm going to say nice things. I'm going to send messages. I'm going to do cards. I see some of y'all laughing. <laughs> I'm going to, and this is the day, you know what, this, it's going to be a good night tonight, right? And all of a sudden, you put in all this effort one day, and then all of a sudden, you're like, you're like, well, I just gave everything I had. And then the six days, you're like, you put in no effort. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, one day, you're like tuning the garden, and then the other six, you're like, well, just whatever. And uh, ultimately, what that ends up creating is we create this whole thing where we, we start and we stop, and we start and we stop, and then we find ourselves in this cycle of not enjoying our sex life or not enjoying our partner to the extent that we should because we're starting and we're stopping and we're starting and we're stopping. Do you want to say anything to that? Uh, well, I, not really. No. <laughs> I'll say something uh, in a minute. So, so ultimately, um, if you notice, there's one word in that text that means something. Steadily. Steadily. So it's not, start, stopping, not starting and it's not stopping, but ultimately God's calling us to steadily put in this effort to constantly tend to the garden. 
this, now I'll say something. Um, so this comes down to self-awareness. Like I had mentioned earlier, if we're not, if we haven't like taken time to say, hey, every week we're going to sit down and just take inventory of where we're at yeah. to say, is this a, are we at a healthy place? Because a lot of times we make assumptions in marriage, don't we? Mm. We kind of say, oh, it's fine. I think it's fine. So our, my, my spouse must think it's fine. And that's not a good place to be because a lot of times, especially for those of you who are good at hiding things, yeah. um, you, you're burning with anger or frustration on the inside, but it's like, I look, like you're all, you look happy on the outside, so your spouse is totally, like, oblivious. Yeah. So whenever the conversation does come up in the heat of the moment, you, like, go off on them, right? And that, uh, it's because we haven't taken inventory and really asked the question, given them a chance to be honest and to say, hey, I really think that this needs some work. Can we talk about this? Can we, you know, change some things in this area? We just got to give each other the, the um, opportunity to say that. Absolutely. And that, which ultimately that leads to the, the last half of that verse where it says, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Quick at mending fences. And uh, my, my wife had wrote this. She said, self-awareness and spouse awareness will help you to be quick to mend those fences. So that's self-awareness for us, like for, for you to know. Okay, for example, I tend to talk very, with, um, it's very strong. She, <laughs> I don't she, say this. I'll let Zach say it. Like, she I is can a, look angry easy, and I don't mean, like, I don't, I'm not angry. I just talk with a lot of expression. Yeah, so I think what, what, what she's alluding to is if you don't learn to talk about the issues, when, if you're married to a very passionate person, like her, her energy and passion when she's excited about something, it also looks like her angry face. So I'm like, mm-hmm. like are you mad? Are you excited about this? Do you want to kill me? Or do, like, what is going on here? Like if people see us in our car and we're talking, people probably think I'm like going off on them or something. Yeah, and and I'm just like, talking like excited. Uh, but no, so that comes down to me being aware of, hey, this is how I come across. Yeah. I come across this way, so I'm going to tone it down some. Or um, I know this is one of Zach's things that he struggles with, so I'm going to say this differently so I don't you know, incite this in him. But then also your spousal awareness so that I can see him and I can say, okay, I know that this is how Zach would take this if I phrase it this way, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it differently. I'm going to... Um, approach us at a good time. I'm going to, you know, you know, like to, to be aware when you see your spouse and you see their spirit deflate, yeah. you see them just like kind of either get angry or go quiet. Mm. That's times to take note that you did something that caused that. So let's, let's be aware of our spouse, but then let's be aware of ourselves. I actually read a statistic the other day. It says that, um, like, you know, we, we always, the way that we communicate, right, is through words, but people actually only hear 80% of the words that you say, and they hear more of how you look while you say it. Um, so it, oftentimes what that means is what she was saying is so good because of the fact that every time maybe you're saying, man, I'm trying to lovingly bring this conversation up, or I'm trying to talk about this issue, and every time I talk about this issue, I see my husband or my wife just go, oh my God, like, why are we talking about this? And you got to take note at that, like, there's something that I am doing in that moment that is blocking us from being able to have the conversation that we ought to have, and most of the time, it's usually how you look. It's your gestures. And I think sometimes it's the hardest part for us is, and y'all just think about this for a second, it's usually unintentional, right? We're, un- we're, we're trying to do the right thing and bring a conversation to them and say it. We yeah. just, we, we're unaware of how we, how we look or what their tendency is, how they've taken it, their perspective. So that's the part where we have to have communication. We have to sit down in a calm moment, discuss it, because our unintentional, like we're trying to do the right thing, 
and it's taken wrong, then that's where bitterness grows. Absolutely. So uh, I think it was the third week we actually talked about pulling the weeds from the garden, but there's this, still this issue that's taking place in a lot of marriages. So maybe you're saying, okay, I'm doing what I can to pull the weeds. So daily, we're trying to communicate. Daily, we're trying to stay in touch with each other. I'm trying to meet her felt needs, and she's trying to meet my felt need. And we're going through all these things, but I still feel like there's like this attack on our relationship. And this verse where it says, quick at mending fences, here's what I want you to understand. Um, a garden is something that can be beautiful. It's something where we plant these fruits. It's something that can really benefit our lives. And if we don't tend to it every day, it will overgrow. But also, if we don't put a fence around that garden, we're constantly leaving that garden exposed to predators to be able to get in. And so what this verse is saying, you got to be quick at looking at all the holes in the fences. All the things that are trying to get, even though you're tending it and you're trying to mend it and you're trying to heal things quickly. But if you're not building a fence around that, and that's what we want to talk about. How do we build a fence around our garden to protect it from all of the outside things that are trying to shoot arrows or fiery darts at our marriage or at our relationship. And so let me just talk about some of the cracks in the fences, some of the holes in the fences real quick. I don't know if you know this or not, but we live in like this overly sexualized world where media, culture, TV, TV shows, movies are trying to teach us, trying to literally disciple us on what good sex looks like or what it should look like or what romance looks like. Um, And that we should always be happy, that we should always, like there's never a time for anything but happiness. Absolutely. It's this Disney fantasy that we've all bought into. Um, And you see it in the grocery store aisles. You see the magazines. It's like the new sex technique. It's the new whatever. And you see all these things. And so culture is trying to drive us into this lane of what sex should look like. I mean, think about it. We have like the standard of some romantic life is this terrible movie, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like that we all, and like we, we have all these like, let's get all my girlfriends and go watch this that, that is never going to happen in real life, right? It's just so, we laugh because we know that it's true. Um, or we have, we have porn that has literally become the, the fire that feeds our sexual needs. Um, or we have uh, culture, ultimately it's hijacked our view of what sex and romance is is all about. So, so here's what happens. By the time that we come together with a partner that we're stuck with for life and, and we want this romance and this sexual life to mean something, culture has just taken that meaning and totally ripped it apart. And now we have this distorted view of what we think that it's all about. So if we're not quick at mending fences, um, all of that kind of garbage is going to get into our mind and then we're going to drive that into our relationship and then we're going to be dissatisfied when our sexual life doesn't look like culture, mm-hmm. right? We're going to be dissatisfied. Because when it, it can't satisfy. It can't. Those absolutely. things, if it's not attached to Christ and him, his, him being the standard of it, nothing can satisfy. So here's what we want to do. We see four parts that we've got to get healthy. Four things that we've got to work on if we're going to have a meaningful, intimate life with our spouse. Um, And let me just clarify this. I I shouldn't have to clarify this, but I've gotten some questions from people about this before. Everything that we're saying, like, is for married couples. This is not like if you're a teenager in here going, 
this is amazing. <laughs> like, I cannot wait to go practice everything. This is not for you. Okay, so just take notes. One day when you have a wife or a husband, go ahead. Okay, go back and listen to this. So, babe, why don't you tell us about um, the four parts that we've got to get healthy? Why don't you start with the first one? Yeah, so God has made us as people into four different parts, our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit. So we just kind of broke it down that way. So our first, let's just talk about our spirit. How do you take care of your spirit? Um, what, just something that all of you guys probably are not really mindful of is that how you are spiritually affects everything else in your life. So your marriage, you may be saying, I want my marriage to be better. I want to be a better parent. I want to, you know, I want to be a better wife. But really, if we look at the root of all these things, it's our relationship with Christ. Where is that at? And truthfully, I think a lot of us come back to feeling very uh, intimidated by that, right? You come to a place where you're like, what do I do? How do I connect with God? How do I actually, like, let things change in my relationship with God so that it changes my actual relationships? Um, and, we, I mean, this is something we talk about every single week. We, we're in life groups. You seek God. You, you make it a point to be at church consistently. Yeah. You serve on the teams at church. You know, if we do those things, it will flow just like a river. It flows and affects all the rest of our life hmm. if we guard our heart and we, we put it fixed on Christ. Yeah, and, and I think ultimately, here's what I want you to know. You, you may not think that they're connected, but your spiritual walk with Jesus will affect your intimacy with your spouse yeah. drastically. Your spiritual walk with Jesus will literally, and there's no other plain way to, to say it, will affect your sex life. Because listen, if, you're, if you are tuning in to God, trying to hear from God on a daily basis, connecting with God and trying to connect with your spouse on some spiritual level, ultimately, here's what happens. Now you have a correct and right view of what like, a healthy sex life should look like. But if you're not taking care of your spiritual life, here's what ends up happening. You constantly end up dissatisfied in your sex life because you're looking to culture and you're not getting what culture is telling you that you need. And you take that into your marriage and all of a sudden, because you're not in a good place spiritually, now you're not in a good place in your intimate walk with your spouse. So, babe, how do you think, what are some of the things that we can just grow as a, as a team or as a, as a husband and wife, how can we grow in our spiritual walk with Jesus? I think this is going to look different for everyone, and I think that's where you go wrong, is if you have these, especially type A, like people like me, you can say, well, this, 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 and then make a list for yourself based on other people and, you know, comparison of what you need, what it needs to look like. It's going to be organic for, for each of us. It's going to be a different look. So some of us, yeah. it might be sitting down and having a Bible study together, like reading the Bible. Zach and I don't do that. That's not our thing. I mean, I don't, I'm like, Leave me alone. You know, when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want him leading me in that way as far as like sit down and let's turn to Ephesians. Yeah. Um, except, <laughs> but some of you might, and that's okay. But uh, other, other things are um, reading books. It doesn't have to be at the same time, but reading books that, that challenge you and your love for God. Or, Absolutely. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the two of you sitting together to do it. It just means both of you have to be on the same page, heading the same direction. It's creating space in your relationship to have those conversations. That's all it comes down to. Because here's the thing. How, how will you know how to serve your husband or your wife spiritually if you have no clue where they're at? Like, if you, if you don't know, like, think of it this way. When is the last time you looked at your husband or your wife and said, how is your walk with Jesus? How's your walk with Jesus? Um, we, we ask ourselves that question a lot of times. 
and uh, we're, we're constantly worrying about our own state of our soul. But here, here's the truth. Maybe you don't have the marriage that you want because maybe you have a spouse that you don't even know right now because you haven't asked the question. They're just struggling. Maybe they're struggling with doubt, insecurity. They're struggling with all these different things. And because you don't know what they're going through, you're not aware of that. You're not praying for them. You're not trying to help them. You're not trying to lead them into a better spot. I would make a suggestion that's something that's helpful for me, and I did the, the, this this week. I posted a picture of it if y'all want to go on Facebook and see. But um, write a list of what it looks like when you slack off in your pursuit of God. Yeah. Like, it, for me, I am less patient. For me, I am, I believe lies a lot easier. I'm more insecure. Yeah. I, like, write these things down so that it can remind you. When I see these things coming up in myself, there's a reason. And it's because I've disconnected myself from, Absolutely. from the root of, of growing with God. And then I think it's also going to your spouse, in, especially in the realm of like your spiritual walk with Jesus, giving them permission to confront you. <laughs> and when I, when Not I always mean, fun. <laughs> what I mean by that is you literally, sometimes you have to go to them and say, hey, listen, if you see me like I'm being sharp, if I'm quick to anger, if I'm like, you know, you know sharp with the kids or whatever, if you see me just off, could you just call me out on that? But sometimes you have to give them permission to do that because sometimes they'll have to remind you, hey, my wife does this so well. And every time she says this, I always know that it's coming. She's like, babe, um, do you want to hear the truth? And I'm like, no, lie to me, please. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear that. But she's like, do you want to hear the truth? And then I'm like, okay, yes, I want to I hear the truth. Now I've given her permission to tell me whatever needs to happen. And it, then it's a constructive conversation rather than going, hey, do you want to hear? I don't really care if you want to hear the truth. Blah. And that's what most of us do. Like we, 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 we get home from work and the wife is just like, hey, blah, or the husband is frustrated and he's been dealing with something. And all of a sudden we throw up on each other. And it ends up to this bigger argument that we never intended to have. And we don't e even start working out the issues that we're really having because we're not giving each other permission to do so. And I did that once this week. So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's okay if you have moments like that. We all struggle. None of us, you know, we don't have it together yeah. um, either. But I think that's key. What she just said is key. She's aware of that. There's a self-awareness there that goes like, look, I've done that. I've failed in that. Um, and that's ultimately, that's what marriage is. I mean, your husband and your wife is going to see the worst side of you. And, and so I think it's, it's just worth it to share the, the deeper parts of your life because they see who you are anyway. You think you're hiding things from them. They know. They know. Um, so we want to give you issue just a challenge after each kind of thing that we go through. Um, so the challenge for just your spiritual walk with God is to simply do this with your spouse this week. Daily share what you're learning in your relationship with God. So every single week, just have a moment where you say, hey, here's what God's teaching me. Because here's what that does. It gives your spouse an open window to go, oh, man, this is where they're at. Um, so maybe you, you realize maybe they're further along than you thought they were, or maybe they're a whole lot further back than you thought they were. Um, and that gives you an opportunity to be able to dive into that. Yeah. So that's the challenge. Yeah. You want to say anything else to that? Um, no. No? <laughs> All right. So, okay, spirit. So that's kind of how we deal with our spiritual life. Now let's talk about our mind. Babe, how do we take care of our mind? Oh, well, I think something that's really important, um, and some of you guys, how many of you guys are um, like your verbal processors? You say things before you think about it. Oh, <laughs> there's got to be more than that. Okay, I am. I, I'm that. 
Um, all your friends know if you are. <laughs> <laughs> Just point them out right now. Um, okay, so I think this is one of the the good things about um, being married to someone who's a verbal processor and who, you know, is just naturally encouraging is you say a lot of encouragement. You give a lot of encouragement. But the, the downfall of it is you also say a lot of negative. <laughs> so to be aware of, if, you, if that's your tendency, if you tend to say things you can encourage easily, then just to be mindful of, I can probably wound real easy with my words. Um, when it comes to that, I think where, we, where our mind dwells, I mean, Philippians 4 says this. If we think about things that are true, that are right, that are of good report, yeah. um, then, that's, then the God of peace is, will, will be with you is what it says at the end of that scripture. So if we're thinking about things, how many of you guys do this? We think about what is frustrating to us about our spouse, hmm. and that's what we dwell on all day. He didn't do this, and he should, I asked him to do this, and he still didn't do it. <laughs> or, you know, or it can be heavier things like, man, I, he, he, he hasn't taking me out on a date and ever, or, you know, like in, in a, a year, he doesn't love me. The things that we dwell on is what's going to determine the things that we walk in. That's good. So my, uh, my thoughts are for all of us, we need to let our mind dwell on what is true and right and good about our spouse. Mm. So I would challenge you guys to make a list of what you love about your spouse. Now, there's not a, a pros and cons, a good and bad list. <laughs> this is all the things that you love about your spouse. Like, literally, write it down. I'm, I mean, I'm a list maker, so if that doesn't work for you, that's fine. But dwell on those things because that will change your affection. It'll change your outlook. It'll change your perception of your spouse. Yeah. And so for all of you nonverbal, how many of you guys, like, do not process verbally? You, you take it all inside. That's me. Okay, so we're, Clara is a verbal processor, so that means she's really, really good at arguing because everything that she thinks comes right out here, and I'm just like, I don't know what I think right now. Um, but here's what I've had to learn over the course of 10 years of being married. Um, if you think something good, say it to them. If you think something good about them, like, say it, because all of us internal processors, we probably think it, and then if we don't say it, it goes away. <laughs> and then we forget about it, and here's what often happens. And it leaves your spouse wondering. It does. And so here's what happens. When you don't tell them something good, they generally assume something bad. <laughs> so if you're not speaking, and that's, we've, we've had this play out in our marriage constantly, where I've, I've even told her this before. I was like, listen, I think great things about you all the time. I just don't say them, <laughs> right? Like, I just forget to say them. Um, and so that's why we write that. If you think something good, say it. Like, if you're having just this random, like, romantic thought moment, um, technology is a beautiful thing. Text it real quick. Send them a text. Send them an email. Do whatever you need to do um, in that moment. We see this actually in Song of Solomon 7, 1, 3, where... where uh, Solomon has this moment where he's thinking something good about his wife, and he chooses to say it. So, so watch what he says. Now, I would suggest that you change the wording a little bit. Okay, so he says, uh, how beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels. He says, the work of craftsman's hand. Your navel is like a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. He says, your waist is a mound of wheat. Don't ever say that to your wife. <laughs> Ever. This is, remember, this is like ancient like thought here, okay? It says your breasts are like two fawns, twins of gazelle. Change the wording and it'll be great, okay? Just change the wording. But um, 
So yeah, don't walk out of here and be like, babe, your waist is like a sack of wheat. Like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I do the opposite of what you're wanting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, my hand is going to hit you really hard. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the, the whole idea behind that is ultimately when you think something, especially if you're an internal processor, I mean, say it. Because here's what I've learned. Even though I'm not like, my love language is not words of encouragement, but something changes when my wife tells it to me. Something says it, like something in my spirit, in my heart says it when she's like, man, I love you and I know that you can do this. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. Like something changes inside of my heart. It says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And can I add something to that? It has the power of life or death, and we know this when we say words, but it also has the power of death when you say nothing. Because here's the truth. Many of us, people that internally process things, we think that, well, I'm, and we've, we've played this out. Maybe we can have a conversation about this. Oftentimes, I've thought that I'm better than her because, watch this, I don't say all the bad things. I've thought that too. Like, I'm like, well, I don't say the negative things. It doesn't come out of my mouth. I'm not saying what you're saying. But, but here's what happens. It's burning me inside. It's eating me away inside. And so finally in that one argument that just drives me to the end, what happens? Everything comes out. And if you're wondering where distance, do you, ever, you can't put your finger on what exactly you're feeling, but you feel distant. You feel disconnected. That's where that's coming from. Totally. There's, when you are holding back things that you should be talking about and feeling, or when you're saying too much, that's where distance comes in. Absolutely. So why don't you talk about these things um, that we each have to choose to believe with our minds? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this, this okay, for example, Zach w- would tell me for the longest time, uh, you know, encouraging things. He'll tell me that when he actually does say it. Thank uh, you. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> okay. So we'll when he later. actually did say it, though, like I would put so much pressure on him to name me as a person, like to make yeah. me feel like I'm enough. Or to make me feel beautiful. I would say, oh, you just have to say it to me. And if you don't say it enough. And the thing is, when, you, when he does say it, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't fully satisfy. Because it's not what your soul is needing. Your yeah. soul is needing to know what God, your maker, says about you. And that's, what, that's what's dangerous about this. Is you can put so much effort and so much intention in saying, you have to tell me these things. You have to help me feel this way. And if that's where we're looking, it's always going to be a dry source. It Absolutely. can't satisfy us. So... We have to first know what God says about us. What does God say about you? Does he say that you're enough? Does he say that you're beautiful? Does he say that you, you have what it takes to accomplish his mission? Yes. Yeah. For all of us. And no, he doesn't say we're going to do it perfectly. He says you're going to struggle. You're wired for struggle, but you are loved and you are worth my, my affection, my love, my attention. Hmm. So that's where I would say you have to know what God says about you. And then, and then it can help what your spouse says. That can be extra Absolutely. So I think that it, it really is fighting to believe that. Because as she just mentioned, you may be saying, okay, if you just tell me this every single day, then it'll change my whole perspective. I'll, I'll begin to believe it. And the truth is the spouse will literally change their behavior mm-hmm. in the relationship. Well, okay, I'll tell you I love you every single day. Before I leave, I'll encourage you. I'll do all these things. And all of a sudden you'll, you'll get to a place um, where that's not enough anymore. And ultimately, because as she said, I mean, that person, you have to remember, like that, your spouse was never designed to give you what you need. 
They were it never crushes th- them when you expect that from them. It only crushes them. It heaps a burden that they can't, can't, they can't carry. Absolutely. And ultimately, your spouse was designed to uh, reveal the ugliest side of you <laughs> so that God could work on that oftentimes. Um, so here's the challenge with our minds. Daily dwell on the things that you love about your spouse and then say them. Then say them. Daily, think, daily dwell on the things that you love. Listen, it's easy to dwell on the negative things. It's easy to dwell on the things that you don't like. It's easy to say the things um, that you don't like about your spouse. But how could we actually transform our minds if we daily dwelled on the good things and we actually chose to say them? So, all right, let's talk about our soul. Now, I, I know some of you are like, wait, I thought we were talking about sex, romance, all this kind of stuff. And we're going to get to that. But all of this, you have to understand... All of this is like the piece to the puzzle. Okay, if you're not taking care of your spirit, if you're not taking care of your mind, if you're not taking care of your soul, like your sex life, your intimacy with your partner is never going to be what God intended it to be. So that's why we have to talk about these things. So let's talk about our soul. So how do we regularly take care of our soul? You want to take that one? Sure, you have fun together. How many of you guys had fun together when you were dating? Right? Raise your hand. How many of you guys? Okay, we did. You, you prioritize it, right? That's all you thought about because you didn't have kids and, yeah. you know, anything else that distracted you from it, a house to take care of, all the demands of life. Um, but how many of you guys notice we forget that when we're married? Yeah. It's like, oh, just the normal mundane, you know, of life. And you forget that, man, we like to go hiking together or Absolutely. we like to, to go on a run together or we like to sit and watch a movie together and uh, eat a bunch of candy or, you know, like just to, to prioritize being alone yeah. with each other, especially when you have kids or six kids, it can, it can be difficult and we, it, it takes effort, it takes work to get there, but it has to happen. You have to have that. Absolutely. I think this is honestly, it's one of the most important things in marriage. Like one of the most important things that you need to prioritize is having fun together and just learning to be good friends. Because oftentimes, I, I, we hear it all the time in counseling, like, man, we just, we've drifted apart. Like, I don't know who he is anymore. I don't know who she is anymore. I don't, and you, you hear all these things. And because here's, here's the deal. And this may sound cheesy. This may sound like, how is that going to help me? But as she alluded to earlier, like, you remember when you were dating and you just, like, randomly, like, let's go bowling. Let's go rock climbing. Let's go sit in Albertson's parking lot and make out for two hours. Like, let's, like, true story. Like, let's go do that. Right? But, but it's like all of a sudden you get married and we're like, all right, we're grown up and let's just suck all the fun. Like we don't have fun anymore. Let's just go, like I got to go to work. She goes to work. Let's take care. And your life just becomes mundane. It becomes boring. And the reason that you start drawing apart from each other is because your soul is not taken care of. Ultimately, like what brings you to life again when you're with that person? Because but, here's the thing. I honestly, when people tell me, like, I've just fallen out of love, it's just a bunch of junk. And I'll tell you why. Because you stop doing the very things that you were doing in the very beginning. Like, in the very beginning, you were all in. You were, like, trying to do everything that you could to win over that person. It's like, as soon as you win them, you're like, all right, let's just watch Netflix. (laughs) That's all we are now. Like, learn to be good friends. Babe, why are dates so important? Oh, well, if you have a lot of kids, um, just for sanity. <laughs> no, uh, maybe. But uh, no, dates are also important for connection. And that's where I would, I think sometimes we, we misconstrued that, thinking dates are just to get alone and to actually talk, because you can't do that at home with kids. Mm-hmm. But dates are for connection, and that takes intentionality. 
guys, it takes you having to think about, hey, let's ask these questions while we're out on a, on a date. Yeah. Let's, what, what does Zach, or what does your spouse enjoy? What brings, breathes life into them and makes them flourish so that they act differently, so that they feel refreshed whenever we get back home? Mm-hmm. What, what is that? It's going to look different for everyone. So yeah. to, to take note, going back to that scripture, to take note of what that is, to be aware of it, and to perp- be purposeful about that in a date. And the same for the opposite spouse. Sometimes uh, we only do, like, the husband only takes care of the wife in that aspect, and it needs to be both. Yeah. And so, like, when, when, when you have those date nights or whenever you, you know, go and you're alone with each other, try to make it and when we say intentional, and my wife will say this, you know, like she's, she's a list taker. She could, if everything was like, suit, like she would be like, at 9 o'clock we'll go here, at 10 o'clock we'll go here, and then we'll eat at 11.30. And, then we'll, like, and, and that's how I used to think because she's a very like driven list. And I'm like, this, I just feel boxed in, babe. Like I feel, like, I feel, I feel like a caged animal <laughs> about to like break out of your list. I got to get out of here, right? Um, Spontaneity is what. <laughs> and, and so, but what I learned in that is that that's not what she thinks at all. Um, the truth is she's just saying, Let me, let's go on a date and let's just connect. And so how, how can we go on a date and actually connect? So that means when we're sitting down at dinner or lunch or breakfast or whatever it is, like going, man, how, how's your soul? Like, how's your time with Jesus? We talk about our spirit. We talk about our mind. And then we, when we get home, we feel like, man, we've, we've actually accomplished something. We're connected. And then when you go do that, you have that conversation. You go bowling. You go rock. Whatever it is that you do that you have fun together and that draws you together. So we're a young church, and I think that the, probably what's going through the majority of your head now is we have no, no money, and we have a <laughs> lot of kids. <laughs> when you have kids and you're broke, it just changes things. You can't just go out and do all this stuff. And we've pretty much lived that way for 10 years, our entire marriage, where we have to be mindful and purposeful. There are times where you save and you like, you know, are just saying, look, we'll deal without this so we can say yes to this. Absolutely. It is that important. But aside from that, Sometimes it is just saying, hey, we'll watch Netflix together tonight, and we'll put our phones away, mm-hmm. and we'll leave, the kids are in bed, and we'll have that time tonight. Yeah. Or um, just saying, hey, well, let's go on a walk together, and let's just talk. Or there's, there's things that you can do. You just kind of, instead of looking through the lenses of, I can't because, yeah. look through the lenses of, we will. Absolutely. And we'll find out what it looks like. So it's the difference of... Like, remember when you were younger and you would sit down and watch a movie? You could have cared less about where your phone was or anything. As a man, you're more like, how do I get closer to it, right? <laughs> how, how do I do that? And, and when you were dating, it was like when you watched a movie, it was all snuggled up. You, you were, like, holding that person. There, there was a connection there. And then all of a sudden you get into marriage, and it transitions into... Um, well, you sit in your recliner, I'll sit in mine, we'll both watch a show while we're on our phones and we don't even look at each other. Yeah. You know, like, that's not a date. <laughs> that's two people watching TV, okay? That's, that's not a date. And so it's just being, it's just changing some of the things that you already enjoy, but just actually becoming very intentional about them. And um, I think this is important, but we've got to establish a t- intentional things that you both like to do and prioritize them. This is going to ruffle some feathers, but prioritize them over your children. Prioritize, listen, your marriage is more important than your kids. And some people are like, whoa, what do you mean? My kids are my life. Yeah, that's the, right, that's the reason that you have a bad marriage. Here's the truth. Your marriage is more important than your kids, and I'll tell you why. Because your kids watch every single move that you make. 
Every single move. If you want your kids to have a good marriage, you don't just tell them, hey, son, you need to have a good marriage. They're, they're so watching true. you. Live it. They're watching you. So listen, I see it all the time. You got people, they're, they're together, and they, prior, they prioritize their kids over their relationship. They run from one baseball game to the next basketball game to the next football game, and they literally believe that their kid is going to make it to the NFL. It's, and listen, I'm not saying those are all bad things. Those are not bad things. What I am saying is if you're not prioritizing your relationship over those kids, as soon as those kids are out of your house, what do you have left? So true. So that's why you see most of the times when the kids are finally out, the husband and wife realize, wait, what the heck? We've got nothing in common. Like, because our entire life was orbited and focused and centered around these kids. And as soon as those kids leave the house, who are we? And so I think you've got to be very intentional about that. I'm not saying, like, don't play sports or don't do anything. I think those are all great things. I'm saying, but you've got to be intentional. Is your marriage the top priority in all of that? And if it's not, I think you're doing it backwards. Um, so you've got to look at it, and how can we in- connect intentionally? So here's our challenge for this one. Um, find some way to spend time alone purposefully and have fun together. This week. This week. Find some time to get alone. Like your wife is staring at you right now. She's like, did you hear what he said? <laughs> it Find might be some after time. kids are in bed or, you know, whatever you got to do, figure it out. And listen, it, it doesn't have to be something expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of you, you, you got friends in here, like you watch their kids and they can watch yours. Yeah. I, you, like just figure something out and go sit at Dairy Queen and have some ice cream. That's all you need to do. Go have some fun together. Be intentional about that. Do you want to say anything else about that? No. Okay, so we've talked about our mind, we've talked about our soul, we've talked about our spirit, now let's talk about our body. Okay, so how do we take care of our body? Um, I think that you've got to do your best in the season that you're in now to steward the body that you have. So why is it when you were dating, man, you got all, you know, you, you got the fresh haircut going on, you got the nice clothes on, and then you get married and you're like, Mickey pajamas, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're like, this is it. This is all I got, right? And it's so all of a sudden, it's like we kind of let ourselves go. Yeah, or you, you used to think, oh, they like this kind of perfume, so I'll get this perfume. Or, uh, you know, you just care about what they, what they like, what they think. And then you come to a place where you're just like, I don't care. This is what I like. This is what I'm comfortable in. Like, yeah. recently, I've come to the conclusion I have to find... I, okay, so because I exercise and I hate laundry, I'm like, I'm, this is my, I'm rationing. This is the, laund- the clothes that I'm going to wear today, and I'm not going to change. I'm not going to get dressed. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> and you have to come to a place. Like, and I've had to realize re- recently, maybe Zach wants me to actually, like, get dressed nice sometimes <laughs> without having to go somewhere, like to the doctor or somewhere else. <laughs> uh, so it, it takes thought and intention to care about what they like absolutely like, and to stu- it's like again it's going to be different seasons of life to steward it well where you're at absolutely like here's how you know if you've let yourself go if you put on makeup and your kids are like where are we going <laughs> right <laughs> where are we going <laughs> nowhere <laughs> i just decided to get dressed today um so but let's let's talk a little bit deeper about this because I, I want you to understand this um the reason that we talked about all these things about taking care of ourselves about taking care of our spirit our mind or soul is because all of this all of this compiles into our sex life with our spouse 
And if we're not taking care of those things, if we're not trying to get healthy in those areas, it's going to impact the most intimate parts of who we are. So listen, if, if your wife is not feeling secure because ultimately she's believing lies in her mind about something, it's going to affect your sex life. If your wife is not in a good place or your husband's not in a good place spiritually and he feels distant and disconnected from Jesus, guess what's going to happen? He probably feels disconnected and distant from you. And so all of these things are going to lead into that. I want to read a verse to you, or a passage rather, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And this is actually the message version. And this is Paul actually instructing married couples on what a sex life should look like. So let's read this. And I, I want to continue to remind you, like, this is in the Bible, yes. okay? Like, I think that we think about Christianity and church and, like, sex is just completely far removed from that. But here's the truth. Like, God talks about this. And um, there's actually a whole book dedicated to it in the Song of Solomon. Um, so here's what it says. Now getting down to the question you asked in your letter to me. Now notice, first, it is a good thing to have sexual relations. And every man said, amen, let's stop there right? But it continues. It says, certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Um, The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. How many of you know that we do that? We're like, no, this is, this is how I feel today, so this is what's going to happen. Paul's saying, no, it's not a place to stand up for your rights. And here's what he says. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. And then here's what he says, abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, not if one of you decides that it's okay, if both of you agree to it, and it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting. You are not praying and fasting, abstaining from sex. Like most people are like, well, the reason we haven't had sex in a month is because I've just been in a holy place of prayer and fasting. No, you haven't. You've had a headache for two months, okay? Okay. So he says the only reason that we should abstain is for prayer and fasting, which you're not doing. But then listen to why. Then he says, but then come back to together again. And here's this, this is so important. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. He says, I'm not understand commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. If you should choose them. So here's what I want you to understand. In a world of sexual disorder, here's what Paul says. Marriage is strong enough to satisfy your sexual needs. Marriage is strong enough to satisfy your sexual needs. And I know some of you are going, whoa, whoa, hold on, time out. You don't understand the relationship that my wife or my husband and I have. Like this is, it's just been dead for a long, long time. And listen, it's probably because we're not taking care of our spirit. Yes. We're not taking care of our mind. We're not taking care of our soul. And listen to me. If you do those three things, sex will be a natural overflow of all of that. That's true. Yeah. It'll be a natural overflow of you going, you know what? We just had a great time together. And tonight I want to enjoy my wife or I want to enjoy my husband. Like ultimately it becomes a natural overflow of everything that you've been taking care of. And when you're taking care of your spirit, your mind, 
your soul, here's what happens. Your focus begins to be on one person rather than everything else that's, that's out there. That's good, yeah. And that's in that scripture. For one, this is the Bible, right, that talks, <laughs> that talks like this. Um, but it says you're, you fixing, uh, laying what you want down yeah. to meet your spouse's needs. It w- if it's flipped, if you're just trying to consume and get what you want, it will never, ever end how you want it to end. It will not get you to the place that you want to be. Absolutely. It won't be satisfying because that's not how God intended it to be. God is the maker of this. He, he actually wired us this way. Yeah. It's a healthy, good thing in, in marriage if we do it the way that he, he says. And it, that means thinking about our spouse's needs before our own. And sometimes, a lot, a lot of times for women, sometimes it's going to be you saying, okay, I don't, I'm not, maybe I'm not feeling like it, but I'm going to say, okay, let's just go ahead anyways. Yeah, and I think what you notice is what Paul's saying. He said it's not about just ultimately that sex in the context of marriage is about serving one another. So there's going to be days when you're like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I don't, you know what, let's just put it off. And the truth is, here's what he's saying. Like, the devil has an ingenious way to trip you up. So, so, so what happens, especially in the context of men? Like, if you're not feeling like your needs are being met, well, there's a litany of other things where you can fulfill those needs, right? I mean, you just turn on the TV and the commercials. I mean, now, I mean, when, when pornography, I mean, you used to have to embarrass yourself and go to a gas station and say, I'll take that magazine behind the rack. I mean, literally, you just Google it now, right? It's everywhere. And the truth is, the, Satan knows the vices and the temptations that are, are there to trip us up. And if our needs are not being met in the context of marriage, here's the truth. We're going to try to meet them somewhere else. True. We're going to try to meet them somewhere else. So here's what we want to do. We've never done this before, but we want to challenge you to do something. And this, this is going to sound crazy. And some of you are like, this, this is not even possible. We want to challenge you for the next seven days to have sex every day with your spouse. And some of you are with like... With your spouse. <laughs> yeah, with your spouse. <laughs> Big red letters. Yeah. Some teenagers like, I love this church. <laughs> right? Okay. No. Um, and, and here's why. There's a reason behind this. There's a reason behind this. Okay? The reason behind this is you cannot be intimate with your spouse and still be mad at them. When you're dealing with bitterness when you're struggling with different things, when you're walking through different contexts of life, when you're going through all these things, you have to make things right if that moment is going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. That's true. And here's the truth, whether you want to believe this or not, God designed sex, and for the most part, it is the glue that keeps you connected. It's the glue that keeps you connected. And, and here's the truth. What you're going to learn in these next seven days is you're going to learn a lot about serving the other person. And here's the truth. When you learn to serve the other person, here's what's going to happen. You're going to realize that it's a whole lot better than you actually thought it was when you were just satisfying yourself. Yes. And listen, I, I understand, like, some of us are like, well, my husband's going offshore next week or whatever it is. Like, don't take it so literal where you're like, well, we can't this week, so I guess, well, we missed the seven days. Sorry, babe. It was this week only, you know. Convenient. Like, figure it out, okay? And, and listen, I understand some people have medical reasons, issues, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but here's the truth. The truth is the challenge is, to do it as much as you possibly can, 
Because here's the truth. The longer that you abstain, the longer that you keep that distance between your spouse, here's what's going to happen. The enemy is going to lie to them. You're not good enough. They don't want you. That begins to creep in. Then all of a sudden, not only does that begin to creep in, you begin to think about other things. Your mind begins to wander and it begins to go into a place that it doesn't need to be. Like pornography is not just a man problem anymore. If you look at the statistics, it's about 49% is women and 50% is men. It's crazy. It's crazy. So the best sex is going to be in the context of marriage. And that's why we want to challenge you to do this because here's the truth. In that, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and you're going to learn a lot about your spouse when you learn to serve one another. Do you want to say anything else about yeah, that? Um, I think a lot of us, um, and again, especially women, but this isn't just for women, but we, we wait until we feel like engaging in that, or we wait until we feel like being close. We wait until we feel like our feelings dictate everything about, about our lives. Yeah. And let's just go back to think, I've had many women come to me and tell me, I don't feel in love anymore. I, don't, I just don't feel anything. I'm going to f- wait until I feel happy. Like, I, I'm going to do whatever I have to do so that I feel happy. And let's just, like, zoom out for a second and think about this. We will never always be happy. Yeah. There will never be. A, God didn't intend it. He made us with emotions all, all different kinds. He didn't make it, us just to feel happy. He could have if he wanted to. He made us with all kinds of emotions because all those emotions drive us to him. Yeah. So my challenge for you is to not wait until you feel like this is something that you want, but if you tr- step out and do the things like we said, the, the first three things most importantly, and then the fourth thing, God will meet you in that. This is not, he, he made it this way. He wired us this way. It's not by accident. So I, I challenge you to not let your feelings dictate things. And I know all of us, that's what we want, right? We want to feel like, yeah. like I'm happy all the time, yeah. and, or I, I feel like doing this, and then, I'm, then I'll do it. But no, God requires a deeper thing, and sometimes that is submitting ourselves to him and trusting what his, what his word says. Yeah, and, and ultimately in that, what it's doing is you're, allowing, you're, you're learning to serve that other, per, that other person because sometimes, here's the truth, if you're only having sex when you both want to, you're not learning anything about servanthood. You're not. So some, there may be some nights where your wife wants to and you don't want to, but it's learning to go, okay, you know what? I'll step up and I'll serve you in this moment, even though I have no desire right now. And it works vice versa. You learn to serve. Paul even says, like, husbands, we're supposed to lay down our lives for our wives and vice versa. Ultimately, marriage is just one huge gardening exercise. <laughs> it's learning to pull the weeds. It's learning to build the fences around it. It's learning to serve one another. Man, like what encourages and refreshes your spirit, your soul, your mind, your body, and how can I serve you in that? And then when we do that, ultimately she does that back and it creates this union that all of a sudden is like, man, this is the way that God intended it to be. Because naturally all we think about is what do I like? What do I want? What, what, how, what makes me happy? What makes me? And that's only going to rob you. It doesn't ever fulfill. Absolutely. So listen. We want to, just as we wrap this up, we just want to quickly pray for all of the married couples in here. And maybe you, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe this issue that we talked about today, you're like, man, it's, it's just been an issue for us for a long time. Maybe there's been, you know, it's just been vacant or dormant for a long time. And maybe there's bitterness because of that, or there's unforgiveness, and that's why that hasn't happened. Or whatever the issue is, um, I know this, that we do serve God big enough who can help you walk through those things. And so if, if you're dealing with a much deeper issue where you feel like, man, th- this whole seven-day challenge is not going to work because I don't trust this person. 
or like I, I feel so insecure about myself right now. I feel like I would make myself too vulnerable to even allow that to happen. So I just don't know how that's going to work for us. I want to challenge you with something. If that's you, like get in a life group and start talking about this kind of stuff with other people. Yeah. Come to a pastor, man, I need some counseling on this. Like work through the issue. And, and here's why I say work through the issue because your marriage is worth it. Yes. It's worth it. Like, your intimacy with your spouse is worth it. You're, you're, you having fun with the person that God's put you with for eternity is worth it. Like, you sticking it out and working through the hard times, it's worth it. And I know that the enemy can creep in and come in, and, well, we've messed up here, and I've messed and maybe you have shame for your own past. Listen, I, I told this to our men this weekend. You cannot run a race looking backwards. You can't win win a race if you're constantly looking to the past. What does Paul say? He says, forgetting what lies behind me and I strain to press ahead. So here's what some of you are going to have to do. It's going to take some crazy act of forgiveness and God's the only one that's going to be able to help you get to that place. Let me show you just how quickly how merciful God is. Many of you know my brother's story and asked him if I could share this real quick, but... um, Long story short, he's struggled with, you know, drugs and all that kind of stuff. And he had did some things a a few years ago that put him in jail. And uh, for that, he ended up, he had a a felony on his record and he had uh, like four years of probation. And because of that, he could not leave the state of Louisiana and all these different things. And one of the issue, one of the reasons that he's just been struggling so much is because he's in the same environment that he's trying to get out of and he can't get out of it. But he can't leave Louisiana, and he can't leave Jennings because he has to stay there. And so on Monday, he went up um, to the judge, and he has these monthly meetings. And the judge looks at him, and he says, let me ask you one question, son. He says, am I ever going to see you in this courtroom again for the things that you've done? And he's like, no, sir. He goes, I'm going to do something today that may seem out of the, the norm, but he said, I'm going to drop all the charges. You're not going to have a felony on your record he said, um, I'm going to remove the, you, you don't have to be on probation anymore. I'm going to drop all the charges. Can I tell you something? That's what God does for us. Yeah. God looks at our life. He said, I know you screwed up. <laughs> I know you've messed up. I know you've made some mistakes. I know you've done things that, man, you regret and you wish you could change it. But here's, here's what God says. Get over it. I've already dropped the charges. Like, I have forgiven you. Here's the truth. God has forgiven you, and the reason that you can't move past it is because he's already forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. God says, look, drop the charges. Move on with life. Let's walk in some forgiveness. Like, that is how crazy God's mercy and grace is. That he looks over our lives and in our marriages, and he says, you know what? I can forgive you. Because God can forgive you, we can look at our spouse and go, you know what, I forgive you. Can I tell you something? Sometimes forgiveness is a daily occurrence. Forgiveness is not just going, I forgive you, and then I move on. Sometimes it's walking, and then every single day. Sometimes it's every minute and every hour choosing that. Absolutely. And it's a choice that you have to make over and over and over again until one day you arrive at the place where you actually believe it. One day you arrive at the place where it's actually become true in your life. So, babe, why don't you pray for us? 
I just wanted to say one one more thing before I pray. So I, before coming up here the past few days, like you guys and your marriages is way heavy on my heart. And I, this is not something that I would love, like the one time I, I speak is like, let's talk about this. No, but I, I do this because it is something that is so vital because you guys, and this is how God has wired things to be. You guys, like you're worth it. You guys have to see your marriages as worth it. I see it. I'll get up here and be uncomfortable because I want you guys to really press into this. I really want you to see before God that this matters. So let's pray. Yeah.